And we are live. Welcome to Staking Mondays, everyone. My name is Ken. I'm here with co-founder of Staking Rewards, Merkel Schmiedel, and we are delighted to welcome today's guest, Phil, who is a core contributor and builder at SpoolDAO, a yield aggregator SDK. So let's jump right into it, guys. Phil, if you could just please answer these lightning round questions for us. So what was your first crypto investment outside of BTC and Ethereum? Um, Anshares, uh, now known as NEO, but back then it was Anshares. The OGs will know. <laughs> All right, nice, <laughs> well, nice. Um, yeah, m must have been a good investment, I guess. Um, so we start with the next question, like which person inspired you the most during your crypto journey? Well, cheesy answer, but it's definitely Vitalik. Everyone that knows me knows that I revere him pretty much. Uh, I think he's uh, one of the few guys who's truly still in it for like the betterment of everything. Um, I truly believe that, and that's why he inspires me. Yeah, I think he inspires a lot of us here. Uh, and now, what was a, a DeFi project that inspired you outside of your own? Uh, must be Curve. Uh, I think Curve is uh, criminally overlooked, and I think it's uh, a backbone to all of DeFi. And I have nothing but respect for everything they've done. Cool. For sure. Uh, what's your What's your favorite crypto podcast? Uh, I think the political answer here <laughs> will be yours, but truth be told, I'm not really a podcast podcast person, so I don't really listen to podcasts. I'm more of a reader. Uh, I like reading, so none. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I like your first answer, Staking Rewards podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and when was the last time you checked your crypto portfolio? Uh, actually, I stopped using like portfolio apps and tracking closely. I'd rather I, I have I have my well, my wallet sorted by time frame, uh, so I don't really check my portfolio because at least for me personally it distracts me from work and I'd rather focus on building than checking prices, which is not very productive. Cool, makes a lot of sense. And uh, last one, a bit personal, like which destination are you planning to travel towards next? Uh, back to Portugal, where I live. I'm back in Germany right now for the holidays. But yeah, looking forward to go back to the beach and into the sun. <laughs> cool. Very exciting. Um, so yeah, let's uh, jump right into uh, some of the uh, longer form questions sure. um, and talk a little bit about DeFi yields in general and about SpoolDAO, of course. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, like, why do you think a DeFi yield so much higher compared to like TradFi? And is it really so much more risky? So I think the answer there is multifaceted, like the answers to most more complex questions. I think risk is definitely one thing. And most, most of it is perceived risk, right? Because it's very, very difficult to judge risk. And I think we always assume that the unknown or that the new is more risky than what we already know, uh, regardless of the, the facts, right? So the fact that it's new and it hasn't been, like there is no proven track record, will turn off risk averse uh, people and perceived risk is a, is a big factor. But I think a much more overlooked factor is accessibility of these yields. Because while we all know that DeFi, like one of the core advantages of DeFi is that on paper, technically, everyone has access to these yields democratically, right? Unlike in traditional finance where you might have to be like an accredited investor and already have, have to be rich to access the best deals. You can get to DeFi as anyone on paper, 
but that's only on paper, right? Because in reality, there is a massive burden of knowledge associated with DeFi that makes it super hard for, for people to access these, these yields. So I think like a lot of the best deals in terms of like the yield you can get or the risk adjusted yield you can get uh, is that high because it, there's a lot of difficulty and expertise required to, to get access to these yields. And I think that's also some one thing that keeps yields consistently higher than uh, in TradFi. Yeah, and, and I guess talking about this knowledge gap, um, would you recommend to someone new to the space entirely to convert their fiat into stables so they can earn yield on those stables? Um, I would never recommend that because I, I like giving financial advice is a big trap because I am a firm believer of the fact that if you give someone like very clear advice in terms of do this and don't do that, then if they win, they think they're a genius. And if they lose, they come to you and <laughs> call you out for it. So I, I, I would always avoid that. But in a more general sense, I think um, that it's it's definitely wise to uh, at least take uh, some fear, like always take, don't, don't use what you can't lose, right? But um, I think if you trust the, the systemic risk and if you pick the, the right stable coins that are properly backed, right? then uh, I definitely would recommend to allocate a good part of like FIA portfolio to that. And I mean, I'm putting my money where my mouth is myself, right? So uh, I, would, I would recommend that with a good conscience because like if you get wrecked, then I got wrecked as well, so to speak. Now, uh, short answer is yes. Cool, fair, fair enough. Yeah. Um... And then like, so like a lot of the high yields in DeFi are also coming from very inefficient markets and, or like general, like inefficiencies in, in the market. And, um, do you think a yield aggregator like Spur will like, will definitely make the market more efficient, but will it also have like a downward pressure on the, um, on the yield market then considering that you like get rid of the inefficiencies with Spur? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and. Again, the short answer is yes. I think that obviously more uh, capital has in general a uh, downward pressure on yields because uh, yields are often denominated also in sort of like governance tokens you can earn as an incentive. And these tokens are not relative, they're absolute. So if there's more capital, more tokens are shared between that capital, right? So uh, if assuming the price stays equal, um, there would be a downward pressure on yield. And I think this inefficiency is actually like it's something that will need to be solved at some point. And I think Spool uh, is more than an aggregator in the sense that um, it allows users to essentially self-select uh, what strategies they want to have exposure to. So they can preset or front load some of the decision making in terms of what capital or, or what yield generators they want to be exposed to. And then they also pick a risk model out of the selection of the DAO curated risk models that are um, available within Spool. And what these risk models do is they're essentially different methodologies of uh, judging risk that always end up in the risk score that these risk models give each strategy, right? So what Spool will do on a grand scale once it controls enough capital, I think it will create sort of a curve of the average risk scores uh, that all of these protocols get from the different risk models within Spool and the yields that these protocols have 
if that makes sense, right? So there will be an average sort of like we're doing risk from one to 10, let's say that uh, a, a risk score of three will be associated with a yield of X percent. And then a risk uh, score of six will be associated with a yield of 8% because spool can reallocate between um, between these uh, yield generators based on the terms that users set, right? So obviously this is not something that can be like, these inefficiencies cannot be eradicated fully um, with uh, only a couple, let's say millions of dollars, million of dollars uh, routed through Spool. But I think once we get to higher amounts, I think that uh, Spool can become actually very, very efficient in um, starting to eradicate these inefficiencies in a way that I think that is currently not available in the market. And I think this should definitely be one of our goals as well. Definitely getting me excited hearing about uh, some of the customizations users can apply uh, for risk filter types when creating a spool. Um, so getting a little deeper into it here. So what is your take, Phil, on high yield incentivized products where yields are subsidized with these native tokens, maybe a governance token? Are they providing wrong or non-sustainable market dynamics? Um, well, I, I wouldn't call it wrong in that sense because it's a very young market, right? And everyone's experimenting and it's a new form of distributing governance rights. Um, so I wouldn't call it wrong, but purely from a price action perspective or from a market perspective and also from an incentive perspective, I think some problems come with uh, super high incentivizations um, because while well, well, during a bull market, right, this uh, addition and supply can be absorbed by the market, as we've seen, but uh, high yields can quickly turn sour as people like notice that everyone's getting a lot of these tokens and as a holder, they're getting diluted very quickly. Um, and that could like really turn it into a sort of uh, a downward spiral, right? Where like people start selling off and then because the yield is denominated in this token and the token drops in price, the yields get lower, right? And then more liquidity starts pulling out and going elsewhere. And then the remaining liquidity gets an even larger share of the, the token incentives that are put out. So now they, they're essentially even making even more what is perceived as free money and then they're selling, right? And on the other side, you have the people that sort of hold that governance token and they're maybe even staking it for some sort of yield, but they're suffering from all of this volatility, right? They're suffering from this price action and uh, they might be better off to pull out and uh, essentially sell and then rebuy later on, even, even though they really like the product as is proven by them holding the, the token and actually staking it. Um, so I, I actually wrote an article about this. It's going to go out um, this week on our medium. And I talk about, I call it like poisonous crops, right? Uh, as a reference to the farming thing. And I have the theory uh, that essentially in order to create a sustainable like uh, emission of native governance tokens, I think that if you're a DAO and you're distributing protocol revenue 100% to the DAO, like uh, and thus token stakers like we do, I think that uh, emissions of new tokens in the long term should be capped by um, the essentially yield that stakers get. So that uh, staker that stakes your native token does not get 
net diluted by emissions throughout the course of a year. So for example, if I earn 20% yield on, on my staked governance token, and then I get diluted by 100% because circulating supply doubles through incentives, well, my number of tokens technically goes up by 20%, but the circulating supply doubled, right? So my percentage share of the, the, the protocol dropped, right? Um, so that's dilution and, uh, I'm not really incentivized to stake, which it should, I should be right for the, the good of the, the protocol, because you want to encourage governance and, uh, yeah. So more about that in the article, but, um, yeah, I hope that made sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, if I understand correctly, you mean like if there are, if there's more protocol revenue generated that is distributed to stakers then to kind of reduce the inflation emission um like offset it by by the fees and revenues basically right yeah i mean so if you um so for example as is the case with spool right because it's a DAO, um any protocol revenue that spool uh, generates from usage goes straight into the DAO. so this benefits the staker but what doesn't benefit the existing staker is someone staking, let's say, stable coins or using stable coins to farm and getting spool tokens because these spool tokens, they uh, dilute the existing staker, right? Because there is more supply coming out of the treasury into the hands of market participants at no real cost basis. Their only cost basis is opportunity cost of uh, providing the capital at that given time. So um, I as a protocol on a protocol level, I think it's important to always consider the position of the staker because the staker is a, a very positive actor in your ecosystem because they are essentially keeping token velocity low. They're holding tokens and they're staking them in your smart contract and they're potentially even beneficial by participating in governance as well. Right? So giving out a ton of tokens uh, from the treasury to people that are staking fiat or staking stable coins who are by definition not as committed to the protocol as the person who is staking governance tokens um, means that you're essentially diluting the person that is staking the governance tokens, right? So uh, the benefit derived from staking the governance tokens should be equal or greater to the dilution the staker experiences from giving out rewards to stablecoin stakers. Yeah, I hope, cool. I hope that it makes cool. sense. I, I know it's a bit of a complex topic. That's why we, uh, I wrote an article about it. Uh, so, but I hope that explanation made sense. Very cool. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um, and looking forward to the article as well. Um, and then talking a little bit about the uh, liquidity or volatility as well, like which is definitely not beneficial for people or like holders and stakers who uh, want to participate in the long term and then are exposed to like the short term volatility and it kind of also applies to like yields with like um, high fluctuation uh, in, in between uh, yeah yields on, on lending markets, uh, probably driven as well by like 24-7 markets and so on. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think would be ways to provide more stability and certainty for um, liquid, like, uh, yeah, stablecoin lenders and users in general, like who, who want to participate in these yield markets? Yeah, that's that's uh, exactly, uh, I think, a pain point that needs to be tackled that also like plays sort of into the difficulty with which you get towards yields, right? Because you deposit one day, it shows a certain percentage, 
and a newer user might assume that this is what they'll get throughout the year, but we all know that it could change in the next block. Um, so uh, if you're sort of not checking frequently, uh, if you're still uh, like optimized uh, for yield, through, sort of through lending platforms, then you're not acting capital efficiently, right? And I think everyone likes to be efficient to some degree. Some might think it's more important, others might think it's less important, depending on what you're doing with your life elsewhere. <laughs> Not everyone's just stuck glued to the screen like, like us, I guess. Um, but I think what would really help is that, and what I've also experienced a lot in conversations is that a lot of people have like a list of, of strategies uh, they would trust, but then they deposit everything into one strategy that currently offers the highest yields which is not only inefficient in terms of uh, like risk-adjusted yield because you're now fully exposed to a single strategy, but it also just means that you've just made a decision on uh, based on facts that can change any minute, right? Because tomorrow, another one of the options that you also would have trusted could just take the spot, the top spot in terms of yields, right? Like you're saying, it fluctuates a lot. So um, this is why I think that it's important to allow uh, some sort of uh, front-loaded decision-making. And then uh, the, in terms of what, what protocols or what lending protocols or even uh, like automated market-making strategies and so on, you trust with your stable coins and then essentially let uh, uh, automate the rest, right? And essentially handle, like set your risk tolerance and, and pick a risk model that, that assigns risk scores to all of this and then uh once you've set all of these ingredients let's say uh your array of of, of yield generators you trust uh the risk model the methodology you use for uh for judging that risk as well as your personal risk tolerance then you would technically have all of the ingredients you need to to automate the rest of that right to always get the best risk adjusted yield and that's essentially exactly what we're trying to tackle here and i think like I said before, I think this is something that does not exist in that form yet, but it's definitely needed. Yeah, and I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of automation to avoid uh, certain risks, definitely to avoid paying the ape tax, which uh, <laughs> some of us have. <laughs> so what would you recommend to our listeners in terms of due diligence they should be performing on lending protocols in yield aggregators? Do you recommend anything specifically they should look out for? Um, this is so hard because I could talk about this for probably like 20 minutes and then not even be done. And then even if I exhausted my whole knowledge, I know there's gaps even in my knowledge as well. Uh, so there's never going to be a fully uh, exhaustive list, but I think it depends also on your personal expertise. If you're relatively new to the space, I think uh social proof and uh, common sense are your best friends in terms of just check out what the blue chips are check where there's a, a big money deposit what has been around for a long time i'm a big fan of like time on market like the, the lindy effect right uh if, if there's a contract out there or a, a protocol out there that's never been touched in a, a year which is a relatively long time for DeFi. And consistently uh, having a TVL of in the in the billions or tens of billions, then 
I think that's a relatively safe bet compared to the new protocol that came out yesterday, which might have all the flash yields, but uh, none of that essentially battle testing that all of these other protocols have undergone. Um, check for audits, familiar, familiarize yourself with the quality of auditors. Uh, it varies wildly. Keep in mind, it's not a, it's not like you don't have to have like a certificate to call yourself an auditor. I think there's no global standard for that. Uh, so keep in mind that an audit does not equal an audit. And also an audit uh, only judges the uh, smart contracts and the smart contract architecture and does not uh, uh, talk about or give any indication about whether or not the team is trustworthy or if there's any economic risks uh, associated with it. Um, so I think that's that would be my, my best advice. Familiarize yourselves. Um, keep it simple at the start. Have someone that you trust that you can, you can work with. And in general, I think uh, at Spool, I think I have some sort of a user journey in mind. Uh, from a new user all the way to DeFi expert, uh, where Spool can accompany them, but I, I can talk about that a little bit later. Uh, in general, start slow, learn your lessons, and then from there, gradually work your way up. I think that would be the best advice. Cool, cool. Um, and now uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Spool DAO. We already touched on it quite a bit, um, yeah. but maybe like to start like to to go back one stack can you like pitch us spool um in like uh i don't know like two or three minutes like what's the problem that you're solving how are you solving it and what's the go-to-market strategy for spool yeah for sure uh i think um personally that i mean i already set this up a little bit in the previous questions but I think that the distance that we have between uh, these yields that are accessible to anyone on paper and the actual end users and most of the dormant capital that is out there that could be accessing these yields but cannot for several reasons, I think this gap is too big. And the, we've seen a lot of efforts trying to enable DeFi for the masses, but these, like, this gap is too big for a single product to bridge, right? So I think uh, the big problem uh, that DeFi is facing right now is that a lot of people cannot access it uh, because uh, they lack like sort of a replacement for the uh, financial services industry that we have in TradFi, right? We always say, be your own bank, but I don't think anyone wants to be their own bank uh, or most people don't want to. Like they, they like to go somewhere where they are like being consulted or where they, where they can get some consulting, some advice, and that handles essentially their funds for them. So you cannot just make a new UI uh, and like slap a layer of paint on it, uh, but like still make uh, the user responsible to do all their due diligence and so on. So what we need, I think, is uh, a layer, a middle layer between that where um, creators can uh, make... Uh, tailored, very tailored DeFi products that are tailored to certain use cases and to certain user bases that uh, uh, that give them the chance to tap into DeFi in a more managed and, um, um, I think, comprehensive manner. 
instead of just making end users tap into protocols directly, right? And Spool um, is permissionless middleware that uh, is envisioned to be this foundation for a financial services industry for DeFi, um, where creators can go and um, essentially front load decisions and very much tailor the terms of engagement of capital going through that specific spool into DeFi and then have everything automated later on without them having to physically move around funds and still having like custody remaining with the person that is entering through the spool, right? And I think that the use cases and the range of uses for spool uh, are super wide. And there are so many uh, that I've come up with during brainstorming sessions, and there's many more that I think I haven't thought of yet. But essentially with Spool, you can build per from personal vaultized vaults from your for yourself all the way to, uh, let's say, vaults for your or, or sort of strategies for your community to proper products that you can use seamlessly as a back end for your finance app or for a fund or even for, for institutions, all the way to actually acting as a backend for entirely new uh, DeFi products that want to tap into DeFi as a whole in a simple way, right? Because you skip all of these steps uh, of manually creating DeFi strategies because uh, Spool allows you to compose them in a, in a very simple manner and then integrate them into any sort of... Uh, uh, front end that you envision for it. So, um, in short, I think we need a financial services industry for DeFi, and I think Spool is the foundation for that, which is a very big undertaking. Massive, and I can only envision the kind of explosion of use on the contract once it goes live here, all the different use cases that are possible, creating this middle layer between uh, the actual DeFi strategy and the application. It's absolutely brilliant. And Phil, yeah. so, so are you working on any integrations and partnerships for spools? And how do the business operations look like from that perspective of being a DAO? Yeah, so that's been obviously a key purpose of this uh, initial founding DAO. So Spool started as a DAO where um, I think a, a very, very good group of people came together sharing similar ideas about DeFi. Um, starting off Spool as an idea. And from there, uh, we formed working groups. Um, uh, we have a core builder group, obviously, that is uh, executing a lot of the decisions made by the DAO. And this is kind of uh, very useful for uh, integrations and partnerships, right? Because everyone involved works in the space in some capacity, but in a different capacity. So we've uh, gotten access to a lot of people with different views and different perspectives, and also different companies that could benefit from Spool in some way or another. So we basically got it directly from the horse's mouth, mouth in terms of what they need to better interact with DeFi, right? And all of these experiences and all of the, these opinions have been invaluable in essentially shaping the the uh, shaping spool into into what it's gonna be at, at launch right and i think uh from that that network and now that we've announced uh spool and kind of came out of stealth uh it's uh there's been a lot of uh um requests and talks even with other integrations uh even with other uh potential partners right for creating integrations i think it's going to be very multifaceted so 
just to give you uh, some examples, I think a lot of DeFi wallets and uh, also like informational websites that right now offer um, essentially what is uh, just a UX for entering a, a protocol that could be entered directly can now create sort of USPs for themselves by making spools that reflect uh, or that are tailored to their user base, right? These, 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 these wallet providers have knowledge or they have, they have information about the user bases that are using their wallets. Now they can make something tailored to them to make it easier for, let's say, a newer user base to go into DeFi in a more responsible and risk-managed ma ma manner and while still keeping custody over their funds because all that's happening is that terms are getting aggregated into a spool and then integrated into this DeFi wallet. However, um, these wallets can now simp in an easy way make new DeFi products or new vaults um, with the knowledge they have of their user base and their expertise they have off of DeFi, right? So that's one way of integrating. Um, another way of integrating are, for example, a lot of communities in the crypto space, right? There's a lot of discussions happening there and um, they all have a shared idea of DeFi, right? But limited, some of them might have limited time. So I expect communities to come together, have brainstorming sessions, design a spool for their community, and then have one vault that binds them together, right? Where they can share their uh, idea of DeFi and essentially farm together and sit in the same spool together. And then even another one, which I think is one of the biggest is DAO treasuries, um, because DAOs have, a, have like their, their main purpose isn't really to uh, manage their treasuries, right? Usually DAOs come together to build something and, but that doesn't mean that their treasuries should sit idle. But right now, if uh, DAO wants to put their treasury to work, they have to essentially vote on every move, right? It has to pass governance. And then because uh, of what Mirko said earlier, uh, the, the market fluctuates, right? So the DAO finally gets through to vote and then actually makes the deposit and then the next week yields drop down, right? And then they have to have another vote of like moving that capital elsewhere where it's more efficient and it just distracts from the core purpose of the DAO and it makes their treasury management super inefficient. And with Spool, they can simply have one session, one governance vote of front-loading all of their decision-making and boom, they have a tailor-made treasury management pool, uh, tool for their own DAO that they've simply created for themselves, right? And I think there's so many different use cases and integrations. We're talking, like all of these examples that I mentioned, we're in talks with, uh, with multiple users uh, in that direction. And there's so many more coming that I don't want to bring up yet because <laughs> it would take too long. But yeah, um, I think we're going to see, since we're already seeing a lot of interest, I think we're going to see a very big growth in terms of uh, use cases. And I can't wait to see what others just come up with because anyone can come up with any use case because it's permissionless, right? So super exciting. Def definitely very exciting. And I, I think this is actually super powerful if you think about like DAO treasuries um, being able to like put their capital to work because that's like, they have like so much capital on their, uh, on their addresses. And that's exactly what they need. It seems like a perfect fit really. Um, if you guys find a way to really make it easy for them um, to tap into like the different opportunities with like a relatively low risk or like according to their risk profile really and um, like I'm also really looking forward to to explore the options at Stake Awards more and uh, see how yeah. we 
could like integrate the uh, spool potentially. I think there are a lot of opportunities even for us as well. So um, yeah, I agree. I'm really looking forward to it. And um, yeah, we can talk about that soon for sure. I definitely see the same thing. Could be very valuable. Definitely, yeah, yeah, really cool. Um, and then like on the like, wh what are your thoughts in general? Like on the potentially upcoming bear market? Like, do you think? Or like what would be the implications and effects on spool as a business but also like on the um on the product itself um so i think actually that um spool in particular because of what it currently seeks out to do is very bear resistant at a fundamental level obviously i think because of the nature of crypto uh bear market always affects all assets because it's sort of uh uh, turns the direction that the speculation goes into into a different way. And that is a very powerful momentum that you can never fully counteract, right? So uh, obviously, I think all tokens will suffer, but some will, will suffer less. Um, and with Spool, I think Spool is in a great position because um, it focuses on stablecoin guilds, right? And I think stablecoin DeFi will be relatively unaffected uh, during uh, a bear market because... Well, it's denominated in stable coins and during a bear market, people will sort of flee into stable assets and then try to earn yield on it. Uh, the only thing obviously that will suffer is yields because uh, they are often denominated in stable coins. Uh, not, not, sorry, not in stable coins, in governance tokens, which due to the bear market would suffer. So people would earn less yield and there would be a little more competition in, um, in terms of earning yield further maybe pushing down yield but overall um it's going to be a better option than holding assets that are currently dropping right um for the people that don't want to let's say leverage trade or short or something like that so i think uh i, I said it even the other day when we had that that uh, that big dip in our discord uh everyone should join by the way it's really cool in there a <laughs> uh, little plug in our discord some people said oh wow this how are you guys doing and uh, how would how would how would this affect Spool? And I would say, well, on a day like this, users in Spool would still just earn yield, and Spool would then uh, like Spool as a product protocol on a protocol level would still generate revenue from um, from performance fees, right? That are currently enacted. So essentially, there would be there would still be revenue flowing into the the DAO treasury and and paid out to to stakers. And yeah, we would all go our merry way, right? And I think this is, uh, if, if you're building a token that can only work in a bull market, then I think you there there needs to be some more work done on, on the design of that token. Because uh, I think uh, having a product that has demand or that drives demand uh, during all market cycles and then routing these, these benefits that come from that demand to the token, I think uh, that's the sign of, of, of a well-designed token. And I think um, over multiple iterations, we figured out a, a good good way of, of making that happen. So I wouldn't be very concerned um, if a bear market were to hit. I'm not going to predict if, if there is one coming or not, because <laughs> I'm not going to claim expertise on that. Um, yeah. But I think we'll be fine.
Yeah, of course, none of us like to talk about the, the bear market, but it does seem like Spool on a protocol level actually has uh, a good chance to generate more revenue for the protocol if it was a bear market, if people were fleeing to the stable coins trying to generate yield, right? So what would they do? They'd yep. uh, utilize Spool strategies. Very interesting. Yep. So how do you choose which risk strategies are available for users to choose from when they create their Spools? Yeah, so the first thing to answer is probably why is like why is this even open like why are there different risk strategies or risk models um and that is because i think that in DeFi it's very hard to objectively just judge risk um because there's many different ways of approaching risk do you want to take a more quantitative approach and just rely on numbers or do you want to take a more qualitative approach like do you want to like take into account if the the team is public or if they're uh, if the deaths are anonymous uh like audits are very qualitative right because you can't just take number of audits you also have to choose who is the auditor and so on so we've decided to make um risk sort of an open topic of discussion within spool and we're going to be providing the the like our own risk model but uh, anyone is free to create a risk model demonstrate the methodology they're using to the DAO and the way they're arriving at their risk scores and then also demonstrate their ability to consistently do that and maintain the risk model. And then if the DAO uh, votes it in and says, well, this is sufficient, uh, this risk model provider is uh, trustworthy, then creators can pick that certain definition of risk, right, that suits their needs. And uh, the idea behind that is that if there is, like, let's say we forced people into using a certain risk model, I'm sure... Two days later, someone on Twitter will pop up and say, boo, this risk model sucks. This doesn't really describe risk at all. And this gives us the opportunity to tell these people, make your own, <laughs> show us your methodology. And if your way of judging risk is good, then it's going to be an option in Spool. And you can use that to your option. If it's truly better, then others will pick yours as well, right? And so we will have a very, I think, sizable, nice selection of risk models uh, that creators can then read the methodology and, and, and check out who's behind it and then decide which one they like best for essentially like judging the risk of the strategies they've picked and they already trust and want to be exposed to. So in the end, it depends on the creator, right? Which ones they pick. And yeah, in terms of who will pre provide these risk models, we're already in touch with a few. I think, uh, like projects that are involved with insurance are likely candidates uh, because they disc with deal with risk for a living, right? But we also have some, there's some, uh, actually there's some rating DAOs even out there. For example, uh, Prime Ratings, uh, shout out to them. Um, they are, they have a DAO that is like comprised of DeFi expert and their whole purpose is to essentially uh, assign risk scores, right? through wisdom of crowd with wisdom of the crowds to protocols and that's also a valid methodology right and if you if you say I, I trust this DAO of, of multiple DeFi experts and developers to on average judge the risk correctly then I hope we're gonna see a, a prime ratings risk model uh, for the people that like that and then they can select that as a way to to judge risk right yeah really cool I also see a lot of energy uh like uh similar things to like uh like doing these staking ratings that we have like uh, looking at the risk in staking um it's also like it's so comprehensive and there are so many uh different considerations to it um 
yeah. and that, that's why I think it, it's a really great thing to have um, to to bring so many people together and do these risk scores um, on the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, so talking a little bit about the grand vision for Spool, like uh, maybe you can walk us through or like give us a picture um, of a world uh, where Spool is like extremely successful, kind of. Yeah. Okay. So sum up my hopes and dreams, right? Yeah. Um, so we have a new tagline for Spool, yield for the world, fuel for DeFi. And I think that sums it up in a short way. So because Spool can be used to create products that are like tailored towards user groups and made very accessible, I hope that Spool opens the doors for, for billions of new DeFi users um, that tap into DeFi without even knowing they're using Spool. So I hope that there's going to be amazing personal finance apps that open the doors for many new new people to DeFi in a very approachable way that are using Spool in the back end and um, just focus on using Spool technology uh, to make products that can get people into DeFi. And I think doing this would unlock a ton of dormant capital because DeFi provides so much flexibility also. It allows you to uh, earn yield for a couple of weeks even if you know you need that money in two months, you can like, it's not just lying there dead, right? And you can start using it. So we can unlock so much dormant capital and all of this capital uh, would then be routed into Spool under certain terms, right? And under these terms, Spool can act as a massive, massive liquidity router and liquidity provider that protocols can tap into to get the reliable and predictable liquidity that they need because they, can see the sort of average of terms that users get within Spool. So if they match that, they can get reliable liquidity, right? It's very predictable in that sense. And uh, they can get these this liquidity to make their product better and then make their product work. And I think this also provides amazing chances, not only for new users to get into DeFi, but I also hope that Spool can be something for new founders and new DeFi protocols to bootstrap their their own protocols with, right? Because if you launch like a new DeFi protocol these days and you're going up against the incumbents, it's very hard to convince individuals, like the cost of acquiring individual users is so high because you have to convince them from switching from what they know and what they're comfortable with to trying your new protocol so you can get liquidity. So it can be extremely hard for these protocols to get liquidity with Spool. They can simply say, Spool DAO, please evaluate uh, these strategies that are made possible through our new protocol and get their eyes on it, like get the DAO's eyes on it. And if they're voted in, they can tap into Spool, become an option for Spool creators. And if they match the, the proper terms in terms of like risk adjusted yields, how much yields can user get through that strategy in terms of the risk that the risk models judge this new protocol with, they can get this new this reliable liquidity to bootstrap uh, their protocol because it's a chicken of egg problem these protocols face right like you cannot have a lending protocol if you don't have any suppliers for example and i think spool can like act as a as a bootstrapping method for for new protocols and that's why we're saying yield for the world everyone needs access to DeFi in some way in a way that suits them we need to bring DeFi to them at the same time DeFi needs fuel, it needs reliable and predictable liquidity to work. And I think Spool, uh, in, in, in 
like the the world where Spool becomes super successful, Spool becomes this benevolent entity in the middle that enables what users want while giving the protocols what they need. So that's that that about sums it up. Yeah, really cool. Um, and I I can definitely see that as like the the backend for so many uh, protocols helping to solve their needs for liquidity as well. Do you think it would yeah. also apply that like for example like uh, uh, more kind of traditional institutions could like um, like build on top of Spool or like for example like a bank offering like yields to their deposits or something and they use Spool in the backend or anything like that. I think so for sure because uh, again like um, you know Spool allows the creation of very very tailored products right. And we're already like ta I'm talking to a lot of uh, people from the traditional space also to get their feedback on what Spool is. And I know that tail end risk there is a, is a massive thing and risk of loss. So risk management is much more important than the actual number of yield uh, or the yield that is, is being generated. And I definitely see entire like new financial products being built on top of Spool as well. So one example could be like for funds, you could start creating uh, boutique NFTs that represent a certain risk profile. So you can, they give you, imagine they give you like a sort of set of terms uh, that they want to follow. You create a spool for that. Then you deposit into that spool and then you create an NFT with a maturity date of one year. And then after one year, the NFT essentially unwinds, unwraps and withdraws from the spool the collateral they put in plus the, the yields that they've generated from there. And then these sort of NFTs could very easily just go on balance sheets, right? So uh, much easier than depositing into a diversified portfolio of 30 different yield generators, which is kind of a nightmare. Um, so we can we can build products on top of that to leverage Spool into building even more specialized products for professional use, right? And I think that's the true power because Spool does this hard job of aggregating all of this stuff. And uh, then you can build a little more simpler applications on top of it that then turn it into proper financial products right and i think that's where also the true power of spool can be unleashed yeah that's cool i, I think what's what's cool is that it makes uh, it easy for spool also to aggregate aggregators kind of so yeah it's like it's, it's always one, one step ahead i, I guess um, yeah, and that's where yeah. you need to remain open, right? Because if you if you go close, then someone will start copying you because you're not offering something that they want because you're closed off and decision making is closed off. So then someone will copy you, and then someone will aggregate the aggregators of the aggregators, and it will never end. That's why Spool needs to be open, so it's not required. Because if there is demand, then the Spool DAO is incentivized to meet that demand because it will bring in more more capital that is routed, which makes the whole system more efficient, right? So uh, keeping it open and making sure the DAO is incentivized to maximize TVR, total value routed through Spool, uh, I think that's the key cornerstone of making sure that Spool doesn't get copied and then we have an aggregator of aggregators of aggregators, right? And so on. Yeah, no, that's that's very exciting. Um, so you will have a, a a token sale or like a li liquidity bootstrapping pool starting like next week. Um, can you walk us like how how does it work? How can someone an investor participate? And like, can you walk us a bit through like the tokenomics and the token distribution and so on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So uh, 
it's a fair launch auction uh, done through in balance through a balancer LBP via copper. And it's starting on the 13th of December, going through the 16th of December, so for three days. Um, so for any of you who don't know what this means, or if you've never uh, participated in an LBP before, um, here's the simple way it will work. So essentially what happens is uh, this, we're going to bootstrap a smart pool that consists of uh, stable coins of DAI and of spool tokens, and then... Um, over time, there is a ratio uh, between spools, uh, spool tokens and die that will slowly change, leading to sell pressure uh, on the spool token. So we will start at a price of around $2.44 per spool. But then because of the ratio changing, uh, price will drop over time. So this means that any bots or sniping bots that want to like buy up the whole supply in the first, first block, they can't do so because the ratio, uh, because of the fact that it's a pool that also um, reacts to price, uh, to, to, to demand inputs, the price would, would just shoot up if these bots buy in the first block, and then price would just fall back down anyway. So there is nothing to be gained from sniping the first block. And it's essentially like a Dutch auction that can never sell out, right? So price will drop because of the ratio mechanic over time. And then as people buy, that's the other factor that's demand that will push price back up so uh, it's really a fight between this uh, lbp mechanic of uh, of sort of predictable selling pressure and um demand from potential buyers and over three days you essentially have time to watch see what happens and then essentially buy if you see that the, the price is right right for you personally and uh you can participate by well, the easiest way would probably just to follow our socials, uh, follow our Twitter at Spoolfy, and we're going to be posting a, a guide there. And we're also going to have a UI with an FAQ where you can read up on the details of how everything works if you're confused about something. And uh, I think that's the best way. And one thing I should probably mention is that uh, because of it, it being a DAO, the race is fully holistic. So the money that is being raised uh, or the capital that is being raised in this LVP it's not going into anyone's pockets. Like uh, it goes straight to the DAO treasury, which then in turn is controlled by the spool token, right? So um, because you're buying a token that is essentially controlling the treasury or you're participating in governance, you don't want the, the money that is used to buy this from the treasury to go to, to someone else. In that sense, all of the, the funds will be in the treasury and from there on out, governance will determine how it's being used. But um, in that sense, I think fair launch is not only about making sure that people can get the, the price that they want, but it's also making sure that in a DAO, the funds that are being raised are also in the hands of the DAO because the people that are essentially buying the token, they're exchanging governance rights in the DAO and in exchange funding the DAO treasury and not funding individuals' pockets. Yeah, really impressive so, methodology there um, to have yeah. all the capital go to the DAO. Nothing's lost from the user. They get their governance token. And in regards to exactly. the governance token, the, the spool token, right? That's what it will be called, spool? Yes. So what would be the major use cases of this token and how does it accrue value over time? If you could just walk us through that. Yeah, sure. So um, because spool governs the DAO and the, the DAO owns 
just owns I, I don't know how to properly uh how what the proper word would be in this in this uh DAO landscape but the the spool uh DAO governs the spool protocol right so essentially what the protocol does is it adds a lot of value to end users because it allows them to front load their decision making set their terms and then from there out completely save times and fees right once you've entered your spool you're never paying gas fees again so you can enter a diversified portfolio of like 10 15 uh different strategies on ethereum for the price of what's probably going to be around like the cost of one swap on uniswap right if you did that manually you would pay massive gas fees and then after three days your ideal allocation might change and you might have to rebalance manually. So gas fees would, would rack up uh, big time. Spool essentially saves you all of that. It adds a lot of value. It auto compounds. It makes sure you're always uh, exposed to the best risk adjusted yield, uh, depending on your terms. And for that value in exchange, um, Spool DAO takes a 10% performance fee on profits generated. So I think we, we've picked that because it fits in well in the current landscape. I think, uh, uh, for example, Yearn takes a 2% management fee and a 20% performance fee right now. And we wanted to definitely be competitive there. Um, uh, no shade on Yearn, by the way. The, these guys have, like, Yearn has pioneered DeFi as we know it. So massive respect. I'm just using this as a comparison. Um, so this performance fee that spool derives uh goes fully to stakers to spool stakers right because there is no entity that runs the business and once needs profits for operations the dao runs the whole thing so um of these 10 of this 10 percent performance fee um eight percent is distributed to spool stakers in the form of spool die lp tokens so essentially we're using half of this eight percent to buyback spool from market and then match it with die and add it to liquidity. So grow, growing the liquidity. And then these LP tokens are distributed in, in, in the form of uh, um, rewards to spool stakers. And 20% of the 10% fee, so 2% total, uh, goes into the DAO treasury, which is again co controlled by spool stakers, right? So one could say that any economic benefit derived from Spool Protocol goes 100% to the DAO, which is governed by Spool token holders. And therefore, I would say that the success of the protocol essentially backs the success of the Spool token in itself. And I think this is uh, this already like tells the whole story. It's it's a very simple uh, model, but I think very understandable. And I think uh, if it's simple and understandable and doesn't need any tricks or smokes and mirrors, I think that's that that's what makes a good token. Yeah, and, and thank you for introducing us to those uh, mechanics there. And I think a lot of the audience watching, I know us watching here as hosts, we're probably very interested in participating in the coming week here. So uh, stay tuned for that, guys. Uh, now we're going to get into the portion of the show where we talk about community questions. Um, so we have yeah. one here from... One of the audience members, this is, I believe, from ATC. And the question is, uh, what do you see as the main competitors to Spool? And, and what does Spool do that makes it different? Um, so 
Early on within Spool, we've joked that our motto is uh, compete with no one, synergize with everyone. Because uh, that's not because of merit, right? It's not like we want to dodge someone or uh, it's simply because of positioning, right? As I said before, I think Spool establishes uh, a framework for a financial services industry that in the end benefits all of DeFi and that can grow with DeFi organically. So if DeFi grows, Spool can grow because new 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 strategies can simply be integrated. And I think in the end, um, even if you're a yield aggregator or you you feel like, oh yeah, um, there's a protocol that's offering like vaults uh, that Spool could compete with. I think in the end, Spool will just route to these aggregators as well, right? Because what Spool does is add composability and add ultimate flexibility for the end user. So for example, if you really like uh, a vault that a yield aggregator um, uh, offers, um, then you can, but you don't want to deposit your whole portfolio in it. Then you have the choice of either like diversifying into other strategies manually and not benefit from automation or just say, ah, man, I'm just going to deposit everything into that uh, aggregator. So it's just automated and I don't have to worry about that. And Spool takes away this trade-off. It allows you to simply select like strategies that are offered by aggregators as a part of your whole portfolio and route towards them, right? So in the end, I think we're not competing with, uh, or Spool doesn't compete with any DeFi protocols because we are giving or we're creating a framework in which they can get very predictable liquidity. Like if, if you're on average judged at a risk score of five and you're offering above average yield for that risk score within Spool, you're going to get predictable liquidity from Spool because Spool will say see an inefficiency, right? And, and allocate more to that if enough people select your strategy in their Spools. And then on the top level, I don't think we're competing with any like capital aggregators as we call them that's like funds or DeFi wallets or personal finance apps or exchanges and so on because in the end what spool does is it offers them a tool set to create to very simply create products that are tailored to their user base without them having to source a whole DeFi developer team create their own contract architecture and uh and so on right so i think in the end spool um Spool just synergizes with everyone, and uh, I, I truly, honestly, don't see any direct competitors in what we're doing because we're just trying to create a toolbox that anyone can use to make their product offering better. That's cool. Sorry, um, sorry if you count that as dodging the question, by the way, but that's actually my answer. Like, <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, make makes sense, really. I think. Um, so there's another question from the audience uh, uh, from ATC. Uh, never done an LBP. Uh, I'm concerned about overpaying any advice or comments. Um, so we're going to be providing on Spool itself. We're going to provide be providing live stats because that's actually a concern that I've had myself when I uh, did my first LBP, which uh, was earlier this year, Hydra DX, and I was completely new to it. And I was like, ah, oh, this sounds crazy. All this valuation, uh, I, I don't get it. And I was looking and scrambling for information everywhere to, to see 
what valuation am I buying at? Is this price good or is it bad, right? So uh, my advice to you would be familiarize yourself with Spool. Um, think about um, where you think you you what what you think would be would be fair for um, what we're trying to do, and uh, find sort of a price that is right for you in your head. But also be flexible in terms of uh, how the LVP actually goes, right? And also familiarize yourself with past LVPs. The cool thing is you can see the the charts of of past LVPs, and I think it's very easy to recognize patterns. So if you look at four or five of them, um, then you'll see usually what the best strategy is to go about it. But in the end, I cannot give any advice on on what you would consider overpaying or not, because it's very individual, right? It's very, where do you see it? How do you value it? And did you get that price that you wanted? Is it, I think, just to, just to clarify, yeah. is it like um, that everyone gets the same price in the end or like everyone pays the price at the time when, uh, exactly. when they buy it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you, you get your individual price, right? And um, you have to sort of weigh um, the, the price pressure versus buying demand. So like some general advice I can give, don't buy in the first second. Uh, because, um, yeah, I, I've described why you shouldn't do that before. And also, I think on the last day, a lot of people that are sitting on the sidelines kind of get antsy. So you often see like uh, a raise in prices in the last couple of hours of an LBP, where people that were sitting on the sidelines say, oh, yeah, I want to jump in after all. There's not much time left for the LBP mechanics to end. And then after the LBP, um, the the selling mechanic sort of stops right uh, the sell pressure mechanic and we're entering even trades so they kind of i think act like oh yeah well might as well make use of that and just just get in now so i i would say like in the middle somewhere that's what you should be looking at but never discount any opportunities outside of these frames and there's no limit to the amount of tokens being sold it's basically all based on demand so it's there's 5% of tokens that are going to be in the LVP, but it acts sort of like a Uniswap pool, right? Like a Uniswap pool can never run out of tokens because as you buy, the price pushes up, right? The AMM will always retain a certain ratio of 50-50 on Uniswap. And on Spool, that ratio changes, right? Uh, during the LVP. Uh, it's, it goes from um, 96 to 4 down to 50-50. So by the end of the LVP, no matter what, there will be a value of spool tokens equal to the value of die collected. So if there's 20 million in the pool, there will be $20 million worth of spool um, still in the pool as well. And that that depends on price, right, in the end. So spool will be at a price where the remaining tokens in the pool um, times that price will equal the amount of die that is still left in the pool by the end. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And that, that's going to be exciting. So everyone uh, stay tuned yeah. coming later this week for that. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be uh, awesome to learn about if you haven't done one before, definitely do some research on previous ones and uh, see if you can spot that pattern. And we got a question also, here from Alan. Yep. Oh, go ahead. Phil. We're, we're putting out a guide for it as well. So stay tuned, check out our socials and you could see a good guide and then obviously join the discord. A lot of people there are kind of banding together. Like they're going to join in the, the voice chat to discuss. So if you need any help, we have a really helpful community.
Awesome. And just for some uh, final community question here, and then we can wrap. So uh, what's your view on the new FAAS hype farming as a service and where everyone gets reflections, rewards, regardless whether they stake or not? Um, to be honest, this is not a hype I'm aware of. Uh, so I don't really have a comment uh, on that. Sorry about that. But uh, I, I, I also don't understand. I, I would have to look, look into that. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. No um, worries. Yeah. And so I guess just to, um, to wrap here, uh, where can people go to find more about Spool and other stuff that you're working on? Can you repeat that? Sorry. Uh, where can anyone go to find more information on Spool and uh, you in general? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, go to our website, check out our docs, docs.spool.fi. Uh, they're super extensive. We've written, we've put a ton of effort into them. And I think like if you read through them, you're not only going to become an expert on Spool, you're also going to probably learn something about DeFi. And lastly, join our Discord. There's a lot of activities there. Also a lot of Discord roles to be given out. And these roles may or may not give you like some sort of benefit later on. Um, so definitely check that out and follow our Twitter and stay up to date with everything that happens. Um, you're never going to miss anything. And yeah, I would be super happy to have some people not only like participate in the LVP, but then use those tokens to exercise their governance rights and join the working groups that we're going to set up uh, that will pursue all of these different use cases that Spool opens up. So we as a DAO can start growing, spool together, uh, make more use cases happen, get more TVR in, uh, so spool can um, essentially fulfill the vision that it's set out to, to do. Um, and I think we could really use every capable hand and willing hand to help with that. And spool is architecture to open up that opportunity to anyone who wants to participate. Well, thank you for that. And thank you so much for joining us here today. Phil, again, core contributor and builder at Spool DAO, a yield aggregator SDK. And uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. You're welcome. And check out previous episodes of Staking Mondays on YouTube and Spotify. And be sure to read our SR20 index, which was recently released. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel, share this video. And as always, guys, happy staking. Bye. See you guys. Happy staking.